Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. Hallelujah. And we've been going through a series for the last few weeks when I've been preaching. And we've titled it The Real Jesus. The Real Jesus. Aren't you glad he's real? Be real with him. He's real with you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Um, But you know, some people have different images in their head of Jesus when you just say the name. You know, and and I think it'd be important that if we have any image in our head, that we have an image of Jesus as the resurrected King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I think we need to see him for who he is today, what he's done, what he's accomplished. You know, know, I, I like to say this often, whatever I'm going through in life, I like to see it and act like the death, burial, and resurrection actually happened. You know? Do you know that that affected every, everything that you'll ever face in life? You say, well, Pastor, will you just get relevant? I'm being relevant. This is relevant. This stuff affects the needs, the cares that you have right now. And sometimes I need to grab myself and say, hey, Paul, you know, did you know the death, burial, and resurrection actually took place? Are you acting like it, Paul? Some, you ever talk to yourself? I talk to myself a lot. I, I've heard some people say that's a sign of being crazy. And I've heard others say it's a sign of intelligence. So I, I root with the second group, you know. Hey, <clears throat> yeah, right. It's, and I even answer myself sometimes, too. So take that for what it's worth, huh? Yeah. But I I have to check up on myself and say, hey, you know, this is what life is like. You know, you know, you just can't just stroll through life and not, you know, take charge. And what you need to take charge of many times are the thoughts that come into your head. And what are you measuring the, the circumstances you're facing up against? Are you measuring them against yourself or are you measuring them against the greater one that lives in you? The resurrected Christ. Hallelujah. So in the book of Revelation, in chapter, really I've said this most Sundays, that the first three chapters of the book of Revelation have been directly aimed at the church. And who is the church? It's us. We're the church. So he's given this information that is going to be helpful to you and I for living on planet Earth in this day, in this age. And, and, you know, this is a great day to be alive. You know, sometimes people have fantasized about what it would be like, you know, back to the future, or living in another day, you know. Uh, maybe, you know, I'm living in the days when they all carried swords and shields. I mean, we sat around the round table, I'm telling you what, had some King Arthur time. I mean, you know. Those might be cool to think about, but you're living in this day, in this age. And I'm telling you what, God knew. He knew what he was doing when he put you in this day, in this age. You are equipped to handle the things that are going on in the world today. Say, I'm equipped. equipped. Say, I have a a mission. You follow me what I'm saying there? Yeah, yeah, you know. I have a purpose. I have influence. In the world today. today. Hallelujah. You have been equipped to live in this day that, that, you know, if we're really going to look over time, we're living in what they call the church age. We're living in the days 
after Jesus came and he died and he rose from the dead, we're living in that day after that great event. And we're, I like to call it this. We're living in the day of the new creation. The new creation. What do you mean by that, Pastor Paul? I'm glad you asked that. The new creation means that, that we're, we believe, you know, Jesus died, that he's the king of kings, the Lord of lords, that he died, he rose again, that he paid the price for me. And when you believe that, rat, something radical takes place. Something radical, it's called the new birth. And you become brand new. You become brand new. You become what 2 Corinthians 5.17 calls a new creation, a new creature. One version said a new species of being comes into play. I'm telling you what, I didn't know all that stuff, but I just remember back on, you know, that night in September of 1977 that I went forward at this church and bam, I, I said, Jesus, you're my Lord, come into my life. And I walked away and I just was aware of God. I knew he loved me and I knew this. I didn't know a whole lot of things, but I knew he loved me. I knew that when I died, I'd go to heaven. Didn't really want to die that night. In fact, I thought, maybe some of you thought this too, but man, this is back in the 70s. And I thought, when I got born again, I thought, man, I just made it. I remember going to a Sunday school class in this church I was going to, and, and it was a lady that taught the class, and, and she was really prophetic, and she'd, she'd talk about the end times, and she had this flip. Uh, prophetic flair as well but but I remember when she was teaching you know I just got on the edge of my seat and I thought man I just made it I just made it the trump is gonna blow I'm gonna Jesus is coming I thought that it's true he is coming and you know what we're even closer today than we were 35 years ago even closer today so I'm telling you what, it's, it's a great day to be alive. There's exciting things that are happening. You know, if you ever go to a, a movie, I like some good action films. You know, when my, I've got, you know, you know me, I'm the family, you know, that's surrounded by women. Me and the dog used to be just me and the dog. Now Steven's in the family too, and, and he's cool. You know, I couldn't even take Starbucks to the mall. But I, I used to get roped into these things, you know, over the ages where the girls would want to go shopping and they'd take me to the mall. Take me to the mall, Dad. Come on, let's go. And it's a big event. And I'm telling you, there's no end to these kind of events. And, and I'm telling I had to find things to occupy me when they'd, they'd get that look in their eye. And it's just scary to me. And, and I'd, I'd go there, you know, for years I, I used to go to the Apple store and I'd get educated on, on what they were doing and stuff. And, but then later, you know, now Stephen's around. It's praise God. It's life has gotten good. Him and I will go to a movie. We can go to a movie, eat popcorn, drink a Coke, come out, have dinner, and these guys would still be going. It's just better on my nerves all around. And... and uh, so, you know, but, you know, if you ever go to a movie, and, you know, we like action films, you know, don't we? We like the good stuff, man. No chick flicks when it's me and Steven. But, but uh, you go to these things, and, I mean, the most incredible stuff happens in the last 20 minutes. I mean, you might have missed the first part. You might have had to go out, you know, don't go out in the last 20 minutes. I'm telling you what, that's when the stuff gets laid down. I'm telling you. We're living. 
we're living in that last scene. We're living in those last times. These are important times. Important times. And Jesus here, you know, he's talking to John, you know. John, he's on the Isle of Patmos, and, you know, he's been exiled, and, and, and he's having himself a day. And, and it says, actually, in Revelation that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And, and, you know, you can be in the Spirit anywhere you're at. John was on the Isle of Patmos. He could have been having a bummer day. He could have been saying, man, there's nobody to talk to. You know, well, here I am, enduring life on this island, man. It's just a bummer type thing. But no, he, he got in the Spirit, and Jesus appears to him. Is that wild? How would be, how'd be cool if you went home for lunch today, and Jesus just walked in and said, hey, what's, what's for dinner? What's happening, Dana? What are we having? Salad. Oh, nice. Huh. <laughs> Where's the dessert? Huh. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, so Jesus shows up to John, and, and he tells John some things. And we've been playing a lot off of Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. And we'll go there right now. Jesus tells John some things about himself because it is important in life. If it was important in any day, it's important this day that we have a proper perception, a proper picture of who Jesus is. And who better than Jesus to tell us who he is? Well, one, he said he's a faithful witness. And we, we talked about this about four weeks ago. Jesus came to show us what God is like. You know, whatever kind of image you might have had, whatever you heard on the internet or whatever your church taught or whatever, you know, I'll tell you what, check it up with the Bible. You need to have a filter in life, okay? I mean, you know, not everything you hear everywhere is going to be accurate. Even me. Do you know that I can miss it? Thanks for no rounding amens or anything. But, uh, but anyway, I've, I've found it. I've missed it myself. I, I've, man, sometimes I, where am I? What were you doing, Paul? What were you thinking? But you know, the thing with God is that if you just keep your heart set on him, he'll straighten you out over time. I remember as a new believer, you know, I was reading voraciously and, and I just, you know, you read everything, you're going to read some good things and you're going to read some bad things. And the filter comes into play to sort some of those things out. You guys want to know what your filter is? This is your filter. This is your filter. Let everything pass through here. You know, I was listening to Keith Moore this week. You guys know who Keith Moore is? Some of you do. And, and he said when he was in Bible school, he went to the same school I did. He said, the Lord told him, he says, says, evaluate, check on everything you believe. And he said, you know, as I started going to the Word and checking on things I believed, he said, I had to change some of the things I believed. Let this thing be a filter in your life. There's certain things I know from this. I know that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's, that's my big filter. Get some wacko out there saying he isn't. Well, that's just water off a duck's back. You know, I know that I'm born again because I believe in the finished work of Christ. You know, good old Romans 10, you know. Thank God for, for Martin Luther. Revelation came to this man. Stood up against the tide of his day and proclaimed the truth. Hallelujah. I know I'm born again. You know, I've had people try to argue with me, say, oh, you're not even born again. I've actually had somebody say that to me. You know, I didn't lose sleep at all. I just, you know, I, I just walked away and nothing, nothing rattled me about it. You know, I had a guy on the phone just, you know, he, was, he had the secretary. This is in our other church. He had her, had her practically in tears. 
She says, there's a call. Will you take it? And I took it and talked to this guy, and he tried to tell me I wasn't even born again because you know, I didn't believe something that he did. And I said, well, God bless you, sir. You know, we love you. And hung up, I don't know, something like that. And, and um, you know, I didn't cuss him out or anything. But anyway, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get rattled by that. Because, man, my filter, I know that I've been born again. I know what Jesus did for me. I know there's a transformation in my life that, that came about by believing on the finished work of Christ. Hallelujah. Where was I going, Stephen? Anyway, we were at a movie, I think, eating popcorn or something, weren't we? But anyway, he's the faithful witness. He, is, he showed us who God is. He showed us that God is a good God. He, he, he's the first begotten of the dead. We talked about that another week. He's the first begotten of the dead. He's the prince of the kings of the earth. And, and, and again, I think it was last week we talked about this one. It's that unto him that loved us. Do you know that God loves you? God loves you today. Say, I'm loved. I'm loved by God. Woohoo! All right. There's nothing, nothing that just, you know, puts fuel in your tank like knowing that God loves you, that you're accepted in the beloved, you know? And, and that's how God is, man. He, he, he sees your life, your treasure to Him. Your treasure to Him. You're something else. You know, he, he like wants to do handsprings, you know. I, I remember when, when my kids were, were little, we had some couple, uh, David and Roxanne Swan actually came to our church for a week, and they taught about child rearing. And, and David Swan, I, what I remember the most about him, well, except for the great truths that he taught, was that he said when he was going to show his kids how excited he was about something they did, like, like, you know, when they were being potty trained. How did we go here talking about it's Mother's Day sermon? Anyway, so, so they're potty training the kids. He says, man, when you, when, you, when you do it, you know, you know, he says, I'll do a cartwheel. And this guy, he did a cartwheel down the main aisle of the church. And I was like, wow. So, you know, my kids are little at that time. And I said, guys, I can't do a cartwheel. But I tell you what, I'll do a somersault. <laughs> and that took, all, that took a lot out of me. I hadn't done a somersault since, like, grade school or something. But I did that thing. I did that thing. I'm telling you what, God does backflips over you. He's so excited about your life. <laughs> if I could do a cartwheel, hey, it would be cool. But anyway, so Jesus, Jesus says that he loves you. He cares about you. Say it again. Say he loves me. He loves me. Wow. Well, here's the thing I want to get to today, is it says this, that he washed us. This is again in Revelation 1.5. He washed us from our sins in his own blood. He washed us from our own sins with his blood. You see, nothing can take away the condition that you and I were in except for the blood of Jesus. Whatever I tried... You know, there were times in my life before I was born again that I tried to be good. But trying to be good does not make you right with God. It didn't make me right with God. The, the condition that the world is in drives them to religion and every crazy thing because they're trying to get free from the sin that plagues their life. And nothing can take care of that sin. Nothing can wash you and make you clean 
except the blood of Jesus. If there was ever a day we needed to know this, it's today. I'm telling you, you get bombarded on every side with thoughts of condemnation, thoughts that you're not good enough, that you don't measure up. And this is even as a Christian. You hear me? I mean, it'd be one thing, you know, back before I was saved for me to have those kind of thoughts because I, w I didn't even argue. I said, you're right. But now these thoughts will come to me, and if I'm trying to say, no, that's not true because I've done something. Let me tell you what, religion will always point to the I in your life. It'll always look at you. But what we want to do is we want to look at Jesus. We want to look to what Jesus has done for us. And that is the thing that will put us over in life every time. Is looking to Him. I'm not accepted because I've done everything right. Even today, I'm accepted because of the blood that was shed for me. Now, it makes people nervous. And some people don't talk about the blood of Jesus. I don't know why. Well, I maybe do because I think it makes the devil mad. But it's not always socially acceptable to talk about the blood of Jesus, even in Christian circles. But I'm telling you, we need to know about the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus, uh, Peter called it the, the precious blood. There's something about that. There's something about the blood. And there was an old hymn that, that you know, I, I, I knew it growing up. And, and it goes like this. I won't sing it, but it, the line in it said this. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's powerful. That is powerful. That's, that's what gets rid of sin. That's what gets rid of the deepest stains the devil can make in your heart. The blood of Jesus. It washes it clean like you've never done anything wrong. It makes you pure, it makes you acceptable. What is being pure? Is it just being innocent? Is it being never tainted by life? Being pure is realizing and accepting what Jesus did for you. You might have been the rankest sinner, but you realize what God did for you. That makes you pure. That makes you pure. You might have been you know, what do they call it? Would it be a choir boy? Or, 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 or you might have grown up in the church. But if you don't know about, if you're, if you're looking at all that you've done, you're not pure. It's looking at Jesus that makes you pure. Hallelujah. Turn over to 1 John 1 and 7. 1 John 1 and 7. That's interesting, you know, doing two services. Sometimes you get on rolls in the first one, and I think, ah, I'm going to totally change it in the second one. But, you know, today I kind of did that, but then I thought, I'm going to come back. Yeah, I'm going to come back to this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. First John 1, 7. John, you know, man, he was, he was just blown away by the love of God, blown away by, by Jesus, you know. He said this in 1 John 1, 7. He says, but if we walk in the light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Jesus Christ. What is the, the focal point of this scripture? What is the truth that's just the whole thing hangs on? It's the very end statement. 
It's just this, that Jesus' blood cleanses you from all sin. Jesus' blood cleanses you from all sin. Sometimes I've read that verse, and I've thought the main part of the verse was the first part. If I walk in the light, as he's in the light, then I have fellowship with one another, and then the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse. So if I do everything right, then I'm set. It's not it at all. That's not it at all. Let me tell you an illustration. Sometimes on Monday, you know, I'm notorious for leaving my Bible either here or in the front chair. I, I do that almost every Sunday. I just forget. I just leave it there. I forget things. And, and Monday morning, sometimes I'll get here and I'll walk into this very room. Only none of the lights are on. The shades are pulled and the doors are shut. And I'll walk in and the whole room is dark. You know what you could say is Pastor Paul is walking in the dark. You know what I found about walking in the dark? Walking in the dark is the realities that are there when it's light are still there even when it's dark. The only problem is I'm in the dark and I'm not aware of those realities. So I'll come tooling in. I've had my coffee. I'm really going. And I'll, I'll knock into chairs. I don't see them. If I get too far, I'll walk right up to here and I'll bump into this or something because I'm not aware of the precious realities that are there in that room. John said this. He said, if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood, the blood cleanses us from all sin. So, you know, I'm in this room. I flip the light on. I see it all. It's, all, it's been there all the time. You know, it didn't have to get created. It was already there. But now I'm aware of it. You see, one thing the blood does is it, it allows us to have fellowship. Isn't that a good thing? Yeah. Fellowship's a good thing. You know, even for people like me, fellowship is cool. You know? What do you mean like you? I, I can be a real introverted person. Isn't it funny that God would have me be a pastor? Isn't that funny? I think he just gets kind of humor. He's a humorous dude. He's kind of, I tell you, man, me and God. <laughs> but he says, yeah, Paul, he's kind of an introvert. We'll call him to be a pastor. Yeah. See, you know, I, I get charged at being, just being alone, you know? That's really fills my tank is just being alone. And, and uh, here, you know, so anyway, but, but uh, talking about fellowship. You know what? We need fellowship. We need people. Paul, you know, or whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, I believe it was the Apostle Paul. If you don't believe that, God bless you. It doesn't matter. We'll all talk about it in heaven someday. But, but you know, because it wasn't really signed. There's, there's theological disputes about who wrote it. But, but whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, the Holy Ghost said this. He said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And even more so as you see the day approaching. There's something about fellowship. There's something about we need each other. What is it? You know, I, 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 just, need my, I just need the internet up. That's all. I, it was such torture for me. The day Our power went out for 14 hours that one day. You know, you know the day I'm talking about. You know. 
I'm telling you, I had to revert to my phone to get on the internet. And then I had one computer that was fully charged, so when the phone would get weak, I'd go, we'd take the power out of the computer into the phone. And I was starting to get cranky at the end of the day. Ah, I'm just going to drive to town, Dana. <laughs> Good. Go, Paul. Go. <laughs> but, but you know what? We need people. We need each other. You know, what, you know what keeps us from fellowship many times is, is this thing called condemnation. Just in the body of Christ, you know, people in the world don't talk this way, but I'm talking to Christians this morning. And, and condemnation can keep you out of fellowship with people. You know, it'll keep you from running from God and do all that stuff, but it'll keep you from each other too. You feel like, man, if I get around them, I'm just, it's going to expose who I am. The devil will pound it into your head. You just didn't measure up. Do you know what you did today? You know what you said yesterday? Da, 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 da. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all sin. God knew the day we'd live in. He knew we needed to be aware of it because whew, it just wipes out condemnation. Dane and I, years ago, back in the 90s, we were at a, a minister's conference down in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and, and bro, Brother Hagen, my spiritual dad, was, was teaching the seminar. And I just remember it was in November one year, probably the early, probably the early 90s. And we went there, and, and I always dug meetings where Brother Hagen was just going to be the, the only teacher. You know, I don't know. That was just my deal because I just, you know, he, I looked up to him. He was my spiritual dad. And, and uh, so we went to this meeting and spent the week in Tulsa, and Back in that day, and especially Brother Hagen, he was doing this thing called Holy Ghost Meetings. Holy Ghost Meetings. And I'm telling you, they were kind of wild. They were really wild. And, and, and this particular meeting, I'd been in at least one of them before this meeting, and I, I didn't, honestly, I didn't quite get it, frankly. You ever been there? You just didn't get it? I didn't quite get it. Dana didn't get it. We got. We walked away. We said, I don't, "I don't know." These people are laughing and falling over, and I didn't quite get it. But I didn't shut the door on it. You don't have to get everything, but don't shut the door on God. So we went away, and I remember we ended up at this meeting down in November, early '90s, at Rama and Brother Hagen. It wasn't a Holy Ghost meeting, but he was just teaching, teaching ministers. You know, things. And, and, and I just remember the presence of God just kind of came in the room. And, and nobody was like rolling over and laughing or anything. It was such a unique thing that I didn't even know what to put a label on. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have said that, wow, this is just like the Holy Ghost is just coming on me. I, I wouldn't have said that. Would you have, Dana? No. But all I could tell you is this. Man, everybody there, I just loved them. I looked around at people that I was sitting by. I was sitting by a guy from, he was an Assembly of God minister. I wasn't an Assembly of God minister. Didn't care. I loved that guy. You know, never met him before. I was like, give me your name and number and stuff. You know, how many kids you got? I think I'm going to send him presents this year. <laughs> come on, come on. Hey, yeah. I looked, I'd seek the guy out at the next meeting. Dana, let's go sit by that guy. I remember we sat him at the, well, come on, Dane. Look, we're sharing Tic Tacs and all kinds of stuff, you know? And everybody there. I mean, you know, when the meeting's over, some, you know, usually Dana and I, we'd be like, well, you know, it's over. Let's just go, you know. 
Get back to the hotel. Let's go. You know, we don't need to hang out. Man, we just like, we loved it. We hung out. We were like, wow, this is cool. I, I love these people. Man, I love people. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it just came to me. I thought, wow, this is what heaven's like. This is what heaven's like. This is what John was talking about. He's like, man, don't get robbed by the, of the fellowship of believers. Don't get robbed by, by thinking you don't fit in. Don't get robbed by thinking, man, I don't cut the grade. I'm not acceptable. The blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all sin. From all sin. Hallelujah. Can I go just a little further? I think I have got more than I can give you this morning. But I'm just going to go a little bit further. Hebrews chapter 9 in verse 11 you see, don't, don't let this stuff get swept under the rug, okay? Jesus said, he said, hey, this is me. I'm the faithful witness. You know, you've been cleansed by the very blood of Jesus Christ. You need to know this. You need to know this in this day. This affects life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One of these Sundays, you know, I hope he teaches something practical. I think I'm very practical. This is practical. This applies to everything. In verse 11, Hebrews 9, it says, But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come. Say good things. things. By a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Verse 12, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once to the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For at the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the puring of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So Jesus, once and for all, paid the price. How did he pay it? He paid it with his blood. Was there any way to, other way to do it? I don't know why God did it this way, but it was the only way. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed out to God. He said, Lord, you guys all know this. He says, if there's another way we can do this that gets the job done, he said, let's do it another way. But then he said, but if not, your will be done. Your will be done. There was no other way. You and I could be redeemed. No other way you and I could be cleansed except by the blood of Jesus offered on our behalf. Colossians 1.14, it says this. It says, in whom we have redemption. Say, I have redemption. And it's through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. I mean, what Jesus did was so powerful, it made us new creatures it, 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 it made us brand new on the inside, and it for, he caused forgiveness to be honest for anything we ever did, you know, in the past, today, or even in the future. The blood covered it all. All right, I'm going to go to one more thing here in John 20. It's a story, but it's a true story. It's in the Bible, and I'm going to probably just tell it to you. It's John 20, and we could start in verse 1, and we find that Mary... She comes to the tomb on, on the, the morning of the resurrection, 
And when she gets there, she finds the stone has been rolled away. She kind of gets freaked out. She runs down the road. She sees Peter and John who, you know, they make this epic, you know, race to the tomb, you know, and, and, and John refers to himself. It's great. You need to read it. It's a great story. And he talks about himself, you know, I'm the one that Jesus loves. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that Jesus loves you just as much as he did the apostle John? But, but they get there and, and they find the tomb empty themselves and they go away. But Mary's hanging around and Jesus actually appears to Mary. How cool is that? And, and he appears to a woman. And not only does he appear to a woman, but he commissions the woman to go and tell the good news that he's been raised up from the dead. So really, the first person in history that was deputized an evangelist was Mary. So she goes and she tells news to the boys. That they're, they're back at camp and she says this stuff and they're kind of, yeah, all right, yeah, hmm, huh. But then Jesus makes an appearance. He shows himself to them. Oh, oh, back, 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 Paul, back, Paul. Oh, got to go back. One important thing I didn't tell you. When Jesus appeared to Mary, uh, I'll give you the verse. It's, I think it's verse 17. Yep, verse 17. Important thing I wanted to point out here. Jesus, or Mary is by the tomb. Jesus has appeared to her. Before he's even commissioned her, she comes up. And what do you do when you see the risen Lord? What does she do? She comes up. She wants to embrace him. You know, and, and in my mind, I don't know what you think about Jesus, but I think Jesus was a huggy kind of guy. You know, I think he was doled out the hugs, you know. But in this case, Mary comes up and Jesus says, Mary, touch me not. You guys, you, if you could read that yourself, you're right there. Touch me not. Why not? Because I've not yet ascended to, to my father, but go to the brethren and say to them, I ascend to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Now later on, again, again Jesus appeared to the boys, and Thomas was not with them when Jesus appeared. And, and, and they told Thomas about it. And Thomas, you know, this is, he gets this. He doubted it because he wasn't there when Jesus... Now, they all had the benefit of actually seeing Jesus. All Thomas had was their word. And he doubted it. And like I said, you know, there's been times in my life where I've doubted things. Like those meetings I was talking about with Brother Hagen. I, we walked out of some of those meetings back in the early 90s before I really figured it all, you know, before God showed it to us. I remember Dane and I walked out and I said, man, if it wasn't Brother Hagen up there, I don't know if I could grasp this stuff. But Brother Hagen had a track record with me. I'd read all his books for one. I'd gone to school for two years, watched him day in, day out. And not only watched him in the pulpit, I watched him in the parking lot. You sometimes see more in a parking lot than you do in the pulpit. And I saw that he, he was real. I trusted him. And then, then later, you know, I, I saw I was right. Well, Thomas, he doubted it. But here's the interesting thing I want to point out. Again, you know, there's, all, there's tons of cool stuff in this story in John 20. It's the wall walking through stuff and all that. But Jesus comes in after eight days and he sees Thomas there. If you've doubted Jesus before, 
you know, don't freak out. Jesus came and, and did nothing but loved on Thomas. He did nothing but prove himself to Thomas. He knew Thomas's number and he called it. And here's what he says to Thomas. He says, Thomas, touch me. Take your hand, put it, and feel the holes. Feel my side. Touch me. Handle me. You know, that's the exact opposite of what he said to Mary. Why is that? It's because Hebrews 9 was taking place when, when Jesus saw Mary. Jesus was going up into the heavenly holy of holies. You see, when, you're, when you don't have a body to contend with, there's no limit to what people can do. You see, Jesus, and when you got a new body like Jesus had, like we'll all have someday, I'm telling you, there's supernatural capabilities. Jesus went to heaven, comes back, goes, because, man, who knows where that guy went? So he comes back, and, and, and what had he done? He had gone to the heavenly holies of holies, once and for all, presented his blood as a sacrifice that was so powerful, it affected everybody. Before, then, after. Thank God it affected everybody after, because I am part of the after, and so are you. But that blood is alive. It's powerful and it's working today. Amen. Hallelujah. We've got fellowship because of the blood. Yeah. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.